The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another trailblazing innovator. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Jonathan Wick, principal at TransUnion Healthcare and author of Healthcare Revolution, The Patient is a New Payer. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for making the time to be with us today. Before we start our discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? You bet. Worked in hospitals for most of my career. Actually started pushing wheelchairs around as a transporter and then just worked my way up in different areas of patient finance through the admissions department, the billing office, operations management, got master's degrees in there somewhere and went to night school and then ended up being a chief revenue officer. So I have about 20 years experience and then switched over to the consulting side of the business and now help TransUnion position its products to protect revenue for our customers. Perfect. And could you take the next couple of minutes and provide our audience with a 10,000-foot overview of your new book, Healthcare Revolution, The Patient is a New Payer? Sure. It's divided really in four parts. How we got here, which is a high-level overview of where healthcare coverage and payment came from, starting with patient being a payer at the very beginning when there were doctor house calls and fee schedules and things like that. And then it moves into where we are at now with the Affordable Care Act and the exchange plans and Medicare and Medicaid and all the things that we're seeing on the news in terms of high clear costs and big pharma and all of those things. And then I took a stab at where I think the market might be going through the lens of what a patient might experience and what they might need, specifically highlighting things like the millennial population as they come and how they pay their bills now and how the healthcare system is going to need to pivot for that. And then I finish with how we need to come together as an industry from all different sides, from the government, from the employer, from the patient, and from the provider to really start focusing on the patient and how they're going to fund their healthcare fundamentally because the out-of-pocket costs and these deductibles and how things are pivoting and shifting to the patient, frankly, aren't sustainable for the next decade. And we'll see some big changes, I think, if we can't figure that out as an industry. Jonathan, I'm sure you're really busy as a consulting executive. What inspired you to write the book? When I was working in the hospital, we slowly saw copays and deductibles and out-of-pocket costs become something called bad debt. That's what hospitals call it. And uncompensated care is the combination of that and charity care. And charity care is really why hospitals are there. They're there to be a safety net under a rule called EMTALA, the Emergency Medicine and Active Treatment Labor Act. And that means that if you show up at a hospital, that they will treat you for whatever you need. And I think patients go there when there's an emergency. I think they go there when their doctor's office is closed. But as those things happen, costs of gotten really, really high as there hasn't been a lot of market innovation in terms of meeting patients where they need to be from an access and a payment standpoint. And so that's what's inspired the book is seeing deductibles that 
are outpacing a mortgage payment, seeing coinsurance in the 30 and 40% range, seeing an uninsured rate start to decrease, but yet an out-of-pocket or self-pay balance after insurance rate really increase, just showed some elasticity that I think will burst at some point. And so I really do think there needs to be a revolution and the patient is a payer. They represent 30% of bills now in terms of what they have to pay out of their pocket when an insurance company gets billed. And so all of those things in combination just intrigued me enough to write a book about it to say, hey, what are we doing with our health care and how are we going to take it back as a society in terms of how we're funding it holistically from all of those points I mentioned earlier. Perfect. Jonathan, why is the healthcare system reacting so slowly to this new reality that patients are the new payer? Healthcare, if you compare it to other markets, and the book gets into that, it's one of my favorite parts of the book. If you compare it to grocery stores or airlines or even car mechanics, there's been lots of innovation in those markets in terms of meeting the consumer where they are. You can schedule your oil change or your tire change online, for example, and shop those things. And I'm not saying an MRI or a, a surgery even is, is comparable to those things, but it's much, much more difficult to pay and get into a hospital or a healthcare system or even your doctor's office in the same manner that you can board a plane. An example that I have in the book is when you fly, you usually now don't even have a conversation with anybody until the flight attendant comes up to you and asks you what you'd like to eat or drink. (laughs) You literally can do everything via mobile, book your flight, look at the prices of different flights, what time of day you'd like to go, when you're going to go, what size of seat you're going to have, whether or not you're going to pay for your bag, all of those things, and get a little mobile ticket and just walk right onto the plane with your ID and that phone. And healthcare is leaps and bounds away from that. You're seeing some technologies start to change. I think the lag is a function of a few things, Joe. I think, one, we've seen a radical shift in how healthcare costs have skyrocketed from a pharmaceutical technology. I call it the silver tsunami, kind of the baby boomers, and just the chronic healthcare management, population health management issues that we've seen. And so healthcare has became very, very expensive. And because of that, the financing of it has lagged. When it was $10 to go to the doc and $100 to go to the hospital or to get admitted, those things were somewhat affordable in most families' incomes. Now that those things are probably closer to 100 maybe even 1000 and $10,000 respectfully, those are things that get financed in every other market. If you go buy a $15,000 car or have a rent that's going to be five or $600 a month, there are credit checks that are ran and you are financing those and that's pretty typical. In healthcare, those things can happen and you can go to the hospital or the clinic and get those procedures and there may or may not be a financial conversation that happens and then a bill comes in an envelope in the mail two to three weeks later and there's kind of this sticker shock that happens. TransUnion did a study showing what that sticker shock can impact and 68% of patients who had a bill less than $500 didn't pay it in 2016. That's scary. And so that bill had to be financed over time and hospitals and health systems are having to function like banks. And so I think the lagging technology is trying to catch up and really innovate into things like mobile, credit checks, propensity to pay to help differentiate between likelihood and willingness to pay and really protecting that earned revenue where they can. And TransUnion is trying to position some of our solutions to help with that as well. Jonathan, what should providers be doing to facilitate this change as a patient becomes a new payer? 
I really think engaging the patient financially at the front end is key, and that's not necessarily collecting money, but having financial discussions up front. In the book, I call it the T word, transparency. You hear a lot about that legislatively, and you hear a lot about it in the news and the media, and I call it the unicorn. Everyone can talk about it and describe it, but you never really see it. And what I mean by that is that I could tell you, Joe, that your MRI is $1,400, but that's not going to help you pay or finance it. That's just going to maybe scare you. Right. And if it's a surgery, like a heart surgery or a neurosurgery, I could say, hey, that's $100,000, and you're going to go, I don't have that. And that just really backs you into a corner. What transparency means to me is financial engagement. A really quick story that's in the book as well is my son had a little rash on his leg, and we went to a clinic to go get it looked at. And the doctor, as they're ordering all the stuff, said, hey, do you have insurance? And just for fun, because I'm in the industry and I know this stuff, I said no, just to see where we'd go. And she pulled open her drawer and, and pulled out a voucher for the antibiotic stuff. And I said, no, 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 I really do have insurance. I go, but, you know, why did you ask me that? She goes, well, I want to make sure two things. One, that you're going to get this cream or antibiotic for your son and get the care that you need. And two, I wanted to make sure that you had an ability to access that care and fund it, regardless of what those mechanisms were. And so I think an application like that, that story I just told you took less than 30 seconds to tell you, if every physician and every provider would have a conversation like that to where costs were talked about and discussed as things were ordered, I think healthcare access, healthcare finance, and the patient experience would be vastly improved because it's very, very blind and very dark right now for most patients and there isn't a lot of transparency. Absolutely. I agree with that. On the other side, Jonathan, what should patients be doing to prepare themselves for this change? I think they need to take back their health care. I think we all shop for health care benefits, usually through our employment. If you're not employed or if your employer's smaller, you may have to go through the exchanges or even use Medicaid or some of our government programs. As we shop those plans, we typically look based off something called the premium or what you're going to pay out of pocket for the year. And there isn't a lot of attention paid to the deductible or to the co-pays or what services are going to be there. And benefits literacy is a big issue in our country right now where we've wanted everything covered, but not wanted to pay for it. And so it's this dichotomy that really needs to change. And so if we were shopping for an apartment or a car or a television set or anything like that, there are certain features and functions that were very, very, or iPhones, great example, very, very technically pay attention to those things as we're looking at them. What's the network? Which apps are there? How much room do I have on it? Those types of things. When it comes to healthcare, we buy it and we put it on a shelf and we're like, well, we'll use it someday. And there's some exceptions to that. I think if you're planning to have a family and or maybe get a hip surgery or a knee surgery, you may change plans and up those benefits as those things are planned. But for the most part, I think our society generally purchases health insurance for those emergency things that they want, but they don't think about some of those elective things. And as we age and as we get older, we need to start using those benefits. And once we discover that we bought a plan or purchased a plan that doesn't have the coverage or fundability that we thought it did, i.e. a $2,000 deductible, which is the average now, most patients and most consumers only have about 400 bucks in the bank. So that's $1,600 underwater for pretty common things. And I worked in a hospital. It doesn't take you long to get to 2000 bucks, And so that understanding and that benefits and how that works and that healthcare finance planning is huge. You're seeing a lot of incentives from the government to help medical savings account and health savings accounts to help fund that care. That's on the patient, but I don't think the high costs and everything else are on the patient. I think they really need to start negotiating for themselves and saying, I'm not going to pay $8,000 for an MRI. It certainly doesn't cost anything to do that. And owning their health care and their health care expenses up front, asking for prices, demanding estimates, doing those things 
things, TransUnion's really trying to make that process as seamless as we can for the patient so that they can be engaged and really finance their health care and worry about getting better versus their bill. I was really excited about in reading your book, Jonathan. You introduced me to patient financial engagement. The hot topic on our show last year was patient engagement, but it really was about clinical engagement. Talk to us more about that patient financial engagement and why it's so important and why over the next couple of years, it's not just important, it's going to be vital. I think they have to go hand in hand, right? Healthcare is to make you better. What you don't want to have happen is be financially worse after you get better. And so I think those things need to happen together. And some of the presentations I do, I have a little Venn diagram of a clinical sphere and a financial sphere and the patients in the middle where those two overlap. And I think that's important. And kind of like what I was just talking about, it's important that patients ask a lot of questions. Physicians are there to collaborate with them, as are the providers. And providers have a lot of these answers. I think it's just we don't think about asking them as we're coming through. And if a patient asks and starts demanding this information, the market will have to shift to meet them, both from a why does this cost so much how can I pay for this? What payment options do you have? Are there other coverage or assistance options out there? What is the plan for me to pay for my health care as I achieve it? What's my bill going to look like when I'm done? What's it going to look like before I have? Is there a lower cost option for me? My predecessor where I worked, I loved this. They have a graphic out there that says if you go to the doc, there was like one little dollar symbol over the top. If you go to an urgent care or a clinic, there were two little dollar symbols and then they had an emergency room with four dollar symbols. Having things like that out there to where just like with you're looking on TripAdvisor or on Travago or all of these websites, Expedian, where you're looking for hotels or cars.com, good, better, best, you can understand what the out-of-pocket costs are going to look like as you come. And that's really financially engaged and being financially aware. We put blinders on when we go in and don't really shop our health care. A lot of folks think consumerism is happening, and, and I firmly believe that it's happening in a very, very small market. I think patients don't necessarily shop. The book talks through that. The New England Journal of Medicine and JAMA both have had articles that have said patients really go where the doctor tells them, and as they should, but as they're navigating that, they need to think financially as well, because because healthcare has become so expensive, it's important to understand these out-of-pocket costs and maybe an urgent care or physician's clinic is more appropriate than an emergency room and the costs are certainly a lot more efficient to deliver them as they go and TransUnion's trying to provide tools and solutions to help hospitals and patients figure out a way to where that navigation and those prices and transparency and out-of-pocket costs are displayed so that patients can make choices along with their physicians and be financially engaged. There's layers and layers and layers to this problem but one of the problems that I think we're going to confront right away, especially as you and I and everybody else is paying a higher percentage of our care. You said it was 30%. Yes, sir. Depending on what kind of plan, I would say that I'm paying over 50% now in my individual and family plan. But one of the problems that doctors have is they have to order lots and lots of tests that they might not even think are necessary, but they're doing as what they've called defensive medicine because they're afraid of getting sued or missing something. And I think as we get to this patient financial engagement, we're going to break down those walls of not asking questions. Well, why do I need this test? Well, I really just need this test to cover my butt, if that's what the doctor's saying. And we might decide together, hey, let's go another six months, see if we have a complication before we do the test, rather than spend $1,800 on a test that's 
just being thrown out there defensively. I agree with that. I think there's a lot of, I don't want to get too generalistic, but I do think there's a lot of panels or shotgun approaches to patient treatment that have a lot of unnecessary tests that are ordered for defensive medicine, or it just happens to be the panel and there's not a lot of flexibility in terms of how things are ordered because a lot of it's electronic now. You're not checking boxes. The order set kind of comes across the wire and you have to uncheck a box for it to not get ordered from a patient safety standpoint. Those types of things are great from an innovation standpoint, but they also have some challenges from a fundability or finance or efficacy standpoint. In the book, we talk about unnecessary tests. And it's a very high percentage. It's in the 60 or 70% range of tests that are ordered that are unnecessary. And that's a study that's been performed. And it's not that the doctor didn't need it. It's just that the doctor's used to ordering those things that way. And if they don't order it and something bad happens down the road, they have to cover their butt from a defensive medicine standpoint. But I think having that dialogue like you talked about, Joe, is important. I think having a patient as a pair, like the book talks about, helps them engage. And having that information both on the provider side through tools like TransUnion has and others allows that collaboration to happen to go, okay, hey, here's our plan. Here's what the spend's going to look like. Here's what the care looks like. Which of these tests do you think matter? It's going to put docs in a weird spot. The book talks about that. It's going to have to be more of a collaborative plan. It's not a dictatorship. I think there's going to have to be a lot of trust between the patient and the provider as they become more of a payer in funding the cost because before they didn't have to pay a lot, but now they do. So they're going to ask a lot more questions and physicians are going to have to be able to answer them. Jonathan, I found the following paragraph from your book really insightful when it comes to this issue of navigating healthcare and how difficult it is. I'll start. Without a determined collaborative effort from the employer and employees to uncover the realities of coverage, we're left with a situation where employees must self-navigate a healthcare system, which is difficult to understand and use. As a result, when employees access their employer-provided health benefits without fully understanding what the benefits are or how they work, they are unable to make choices that address the patient financial responsibility aspects of their care. I mean, this is it in a nutshell to me. This was like the best summary of your book all in one nutshell. It's really about how are we going to navigate healthcare, which is so hard to navigate clinically, Used to be we didn't really worry about it financially because we had insurance and insurance covered 80% or more than 80%. And we didn't really worry about it if we wrote a check every now and then for 150 or $200. Now that we're writing checks for thousands of dollars, we got to be way more involved. And we got to not only have the complexities of navigating the clinical side, but the financial side. Are you seeing any innovation at TransUnion or in the industry that's going to help with this, help consumers and or providers? Yeah, TransUnion provides patient-facing estimates up front, and I think a hospital's collections culture needs to shift to allow for that as, as a physician. When you go to the dentist office, this is much more transparent there. They tell you what the cleaning is going to be. You typically check out on your way. If there are things that need to happen, a filling or a crown, those types of things, they run your insurance and actually give you an out-of-pocket at that point. Your dental benefits may or may not have been known, but the providers working with you collaboratively as you went, and you purchase those dental 
incidental benefits from the employer as well, and, and they look at it. I think where the gaps lie, Joe, is it's not necessarily – the auspice isn't necessarily on the employer. The employer's been obligated, as the book talks about, to provide health insurance as a benefit, almost as a part of your salary. And that came out of World War II, and right, wrong, or indifferent, that's where they're at. I don't know that many employers are happy about it, but that's where they're at. And so because of that, they have to offer a competitive benefit plan with low premiums, but with low premiums come high out-of-pocket costs. And those are displayed to employees when they're there. And we've all looked at those things and said, yep, that's the plan I want. That's how much is going to come out of my check every two weeks or every month. Yeah, and here's my fee schedule. I'll look at that when something happens is typically the mindset that we see. And we really are going to have to reverse that paradigm and say, hmm, I wonder what my out-of-pocket is going to look like. And so suggestions I have on the employer side are, here's some typical scenarios, having a baby, getting an x-ray, getting a CT scan, maybe a knee replacement. Here's what the out-of-pocket looks like in each one of these plans. This is the likelihood of our employees having those types of things. So then you could shop more on what you're going to pay for in the long term, not what's going to come out of your check in a premium. And then on the provider side, I think having those estimates like TransUnion provides, you're seeing a lot of action with patient-facing portals now to where patients can go to them. The adoption, unfortunately, is very low for reasons I mentioned earlier. But TransUnion is looking to put technology out there to where a provider and a patient are both enabled to have a financial discussion in, at, or immediately after care to start talking about, hey, here's how these benefits are being applied, or here's how the charity care is being applied to your unique situation based off what you're having in the services, and so that you can understand how you're going to fund it and what your financial plan is. That's where I'm seeing innovation happen, is that patients can start shopping their health care like they can shop a plane ticket. And it shouldn't be that hard. I think it's just a matter of collaborating and putting the information out there. And TransUnion is uniquely positioned to be able to do that in this market. Outstanding. Thanks for those quick tips. Jonathan, what have I missed? What haven't we discussed that readers of your book are really going to learn and be interested in? The last chapter of the book I call Wouldn't It Be Nice? It's kind of a play on words from the Beach Boys stuff. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we were older and we wouldn't have to wait too long? I think I said, wouldn't it be nice if healthcare wasn't so expensive and we didn't have to pay so much? And so part of that is looking at what you're paying for and asking those questions like we talked about. Part of that is the industry really needs to look at this from a payment standpoint. Now that the patients are a payer and they're going to start asking these questions, are the tools, resources, and expertise there where you need them? TransUnion uniquely provides things to protect earned revenue, optimize those collections, and financially engage a patient. And it's important to look at those things both from the patient lens, the provider lens, and the employer lens so that the government doesn't have to keep funding it in the way that they are. Because the government's been looked to as a safety gap, and we all pay those taxes. And not many people that are on these government plans are very happy because they have such a high out-of-pocket. And that really is isn't a function of the government. It's a function of the health care costs, how we've been paying them for decades, and how the markets have accepted this lack of transparency that we've had. And so as we become more consumers and pay more out of pocket, I think we're going to be able to start having more accountable conversations and more payment outcomes that are more beneficial to both the patient and the payer. And TransUnion can help with that by putting solutions out there to help. Perfect. Well, we have everyone's attention, Jonathan. I want to take this time, have everybody go to Amazon.com or your favorite book site, search for Healthcare Revolution, The Patient is a New Payer by Jonathan Wick. Order it now. I guarantee you, you will learn something. You will prepare yourself more. It's only going to get more complicated, and Jonathan's book really dissects and helps you really understand where we've been and where we're going. So order today and read it. It's a very good read, very quick read, 
and very educational. Jonathan, it was so great to have you on our show. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your great insights. You bet. Hey, thanks, Joe, for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Jonathan Wick, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. <laughs>